0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the ABIP podcast. This is Abhinav Agarwal, your host from the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell in New York. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker alone and not necessarily those endorsed by the ABIP. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting Dr. Francisco Almeida to discuss tips and pearls on the role of electrocautery snare in the management of malignant central airway obstruction. Dr. Almeida, as we all know, is currently the program director for the interventional pulmonology fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute. Welcome, Francisco, and let's dive into the topic. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us today.
1: No, thank you, Avi, for uh, inviting me. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be here uh, talking about this interesting topic.
0: Perfect. So we all know that electrosurgery plays an integral role in the management of malignant central area obstruction. And we know that in terms of contact electrocautery, we have various devices at our disposal you know, we have the Bovey, we have the electrocautery knife, the electrocautery snare, which we'll talk about today, and some newer devices such as the Core Cap, uh, which is marketed by one of the companies. So when you are deciding about using electrocautery snare for patients, is there a specific lesion characteristic or a type in which you use this as a go-to tool uh, when you're managing these patients with uh, central area obstruction?
1: Yeah, so I think, uh, as the literature says, the more uh, appropriate uh, lesion to use are the polypoids or pediculated uh, lesions. Uh, but I don't uh, necessarily uh, use a snare only for those lesions. And on the flip side, and we'll talk uh, maybe later as we end your questions, I don't necessarily use a snare for every pediculated lesion. But in any event, those are the ideal lesions. Um, but sometimes um, as a way of doing a multimodality approach, some really large lesions, uh, sometimes I would use the snare to to start getting pieces out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes the lesion is so large and uh, the base is so broad, but it's so irregular that sometimes you can uh, grab uh, you know relatively large pieces not necessarily the entire thing, as to open your view or create more space to to work. So sometimes I use as an initial tool for some of those lesions. And obviously, it's hard to to describe exactly how those lesions look on a podcast, but I think uh, the audience who does this uh, can have an idea of what I'm talking about.
0: Right. So, I mean, if you see like a pedunculated lesion, you know, let's say, with a narrow base or even with a large base and you are you know doing an intervention these patients is this is this your go-to tool or do you start by using some other modality to achieve hemostasis or do you use the snare to try to dissect the base off uh, yeah, with with okay. coagulation
1: yeah so i think um it depends on the size of the lesion you know sometimes there's some of these lesions that is really small and i've seen people use snares for those and sometimes just a simple plain forces biopsy you can remove it when it's something that a simple plain for biopsy uh can't remove it or if the the base is not really small because uh, sometimes there are these pedunculated lesions that my forceps won't be able to remove the whole thing but the base is so uh slim that sometimes i can just Kind of biopsy that base and really dislodge the lesion altogether. So I may not need um, okay. snare, but for from, for the majority of pediculated or polypoid lesions that the base is not so broad that I can get my snare all around, I would say yes, uh, the snare is my to-go uh, device uh, for for those lesions, but not necessarily the
0: only. The only device. Of course, of course. Yeah, that's the the beauty of multimodal approach. And then I mean in my practice, like when I have sometimes broad-based lesions, as you have mentioned, I will use it to try at least try to shave off um, you know, some of the top though. It's hard to form a grip around it. Have you done that or you do that frequently? Well, it's like a left main stem region that's near completely obstructing and it's difficult to bypass with the scope itself. Like, you know, try to grab that and at least try to shave it off as much as possible.
1: Yeah, so I I use that uh, sometimes, um, as you mentioned. You know, and I mentioned before uh, as well is it can. I, I like the term that use shave off. It can help, open a little bit of space and improve your view. And sometimes, as you shave that off with with uh, the with the um, um, snare. You can um, uh, also sort of coagulate uh, the base, which may um, decrease a little bit of uh, the bleeding and help your work around that. but um, but again, it depends on the lesion. Uh, I like the you know some sometimes, you know my my assistants complain when they look after the procedure is done that I have so many things around. The field, you know, I have the snare, I have the cryo, I have the APC, and um, um, sometimes I may have the laser on top of that. And aside from the rigid, so there's so many tools. So sometimes is is a trial trial and error thing as well. You know, sometimes you start doing one thing, oh, this is not working, so you you move along. But as I mentioned, I think the shaving off is something that I use, but I wouldn't say that. For that lesion that is entirely obstructing and i don't know what's behind and i i can only see a little sliver of opening and the base is really broad i wouldn't say that the snare is a tool that i would think at first to use in those cases but right depending on what i see yeah i may use it to, to to start shaving off the lesion as much as possible and work my way through the you know creating a space to work with
0: Right. It's funny you say that, uh, you know, do you need any more? I recently had a case where I think I had every single tool available out and I, the 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 staff was asking me if I need anything else because I think there was nothing left uh, from the ABC <laughs> to the snare to the BOVI, uh, you know, and as as you said, we go through multiple of them and see what works. So, as you mentioned about the coagulation, so when you're using a snare, you know, I, I use one of the RB devices and there's a cut option, there's the coag option. So, when do you choose one versus the other? If you think that this uh, lesion is the right lesion for uh, to be used, to use electrocautery snare per se,
1: yeah. So so I mentioned coagulation, but I, I uh, that's a great question. I didn't mean necessarily using the coagulation uh, setting because, to be honest, I you know I've been you know using snares for over a decade, and um, I don't remember if I ever use the coagulation setting or, or, or let me rephrase that. I I probably have used it once or twice and I wasn't very impressed with the way it cut the lesion. So uh, I use virtually and it's already preset on our machines for a cut. We just uh, set the cut. The, the option is already there and that's what I use virtually 100% of the times and you know, one may wonder, oh, why don't you use the coagulation? Because uh, it may coagulate better as you cut. And, and honestly, I think, I, as I recall, a couple of cases, probably a couple of cases, one or once or twice that I used the coagulation setting, it didn't cut as well. And I wasn't that impressed with the coagulation that was provided. So I think just having the, the cut setting is what I use almost a hundred percent, as I mentioned, and it cauterizes pretty well as you cut In most cases. There are going to be cases that, you know, you cut and then there's a lot of bleeding afterwards. So those cases do occur. So, uh, but I think the, the, the cutting is so, so much better um, that I don't even waste my time. And, you know, a lot of these cases, not all, but a lot of these cases you have a, rigid in and we are prepared to do with any bleeding that may occur uh, after we cut these lesions. And that is, I think, one important um, message for people who are starting off for people who are experienced as well, I guess, and maybe um, just want to hear another opinion or somebody, a uh, different thought or, or confirm what they do is that after we cut these lesions, um, you have to be ready to, uh, to act uh, immediately because sometimes bleeding may, may happen. Uh, and um, and uh, I think that's something very important. So you, as we mentioned, we have all those tools ready. So generally when I, when I do a snare, I often have my APC ready, I may have a Fogarty balloon or something, depending on the situation, uh, or I have my rigid really nearby to if I, I think I'm going to cut the base to advance the rigid and 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 block uh, tamponade that area. So you need to be ready for for bleeding that may come after you cut the
0: lesion because this is not overwhelmingly common, but it does happen. Well, oh, I think that's a very good point uh, you know something that where we we should be prepared i mean be that the balloon i usually do not have a balloon or if it's a more central lesion like the tracheal lesion then advance the rigid uh, to be able to tampon out but i think that's a very important point that you make and as you said i mean what we gain in cut we lose some of it in coagulation so especially a very vascular lesion you know may bleed uh sometimes if, and if uh, i mean it has happened to me a couple of times where it did do bleed and we should be prepared. I will, Sometimes we'll have a, either a contact cartridge or APC, which is my go-to tool. So that's a very good point. So if you're using the cut settings, do you use like a preset? Because I know some of the machines have these endocut cut cue settings, or is there specific power and settings that you start at on your machine, just for the listeners you know, who are just starting off and are not really sure how to use uh, the cut function on the electrocuterie snare?
1: Yeah, so we, we have been using for many, t- many years the ConeMad Beamer device, and we already have it preset uh, for 20 watts. And the majority of time that, uh, times, that's all we use. Sometimes I go up to 30. Uh, we just acquired recently the herb machine that has APC, cautery, and, um, and the cryo kind of all together. And uh, we may be transitioned entirely to that um, to that uh, machine because of um, support, I believe, but I don't know mm-hmm. the details. Uh, so for the Comad, it's preset at 20 watts. And for the Herb machine, it's already preset there at the three watts with EndoCut uh, based on there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, company too. And I use that, uh, since we got the machine recently, I haven't used it that often, but I have used it a couple of times already. And um, it seems more powerful, which uh, there's good and bad about that, right? Because <laughs> right. more powerful, there may be more risk of uh, uh, collateral damage. So that's important to have the, the snare in position around the lesion, not lose. So you're not, uh, often you can't see the other side, you know, depending on the size of the lesion. So trying to um, have it as as around the, and tight around the lesion as much as possible, not to provoke any collateral damage of areas that are not seeing, uh, especially with, I guess, the herb machine. At least that was my early experience. It may not hold true as I use it more, but I, I did like it, the, the cut. Um, right. Uh, and that uh, that's kind of what we've been using or at least what I'm using right now and my colleagues may use slightly different but I know that machine the herb machine is set already at three watts with endocut like
0: from the start. Yeah uh, and we have the ability to adjust the endocut uh, settings and I mean as you said I mean they are set for more cutting than coagulation and I think as you go away from the settings like one to four, um, it balances the cutting ability with the coagulation. But they do say, I was uh, talking to one of the reps recently and they talked about that too, where you can uh, you keep the foot on the pedal and then you can cut through and uh, you could see basic, basically adjust that based upon how it's cutting or not cutting. Correct,
1: correct. So, yeah, I mean, that's talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. talking about that, I think uh, is important to to say that sometimes yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't cut perfectly it doesn't cut well so
0: you need to 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 adjust that setting as i mentioned
1: yeah
0: right and so i mean just i was talking about not working so i recently had a case of a lmb lesion very hard lesion you know i'd be still waiting on the pathology of that but i used it was completely completely obstructing the lmb originating from the lower lobe and i was trying to uh, use the snare and uh it was actually as much as I tried, and I tried different endocut settings. It just would not cut the lesion. I mean, maybe based upon the characteristic of the lesion, on rapid on site told me there are some spindle cells, and again, we're still waiting to see what it shows in terms of final pathology. So, what what are the potential pitfalls where you think the snare may not work, and is there some adjustments in the settings that we could make uh, to try to see if it cuts better, or would you just then use alternative route, and what may those be?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, those are not um, uh, common events, but they do happen. And I think, as you said, as you said, you know, based on the the lesion, whether it has less water or fluid or is more fatty, those are are more difficult to cut sometimes. If there's any of those situations, and it's funny that you mentioned because um, several years ago. I had a case that I tried to cut and it started to to cut the lesion, but then it just wouldn't do anything. And um, and then we it wouldn't cut and then we started to open the device and it wouldn't open. So we we're stuck there. We just we couldn't do anything. And I was, oh my goodness, I was already thinking ahead. I just uh, thinking of myself, talking to the patient later today saying, you know, the case was great. The tumor is out. You know that's the good news. The bad news is that we had to take you to the OR to do that because <laughs> we got stuck in there. But uh, we eventually got that um, got that thing kind of uh, dislodged. Uh, but when that happens, you know, uh, as as we were talking before, you need to look at uh, the plan B and see uh, whether if this is a, a lesion in the trachea, you know, in the, one of the main stem that you may be able to try to get a a rigid to try to to core as much as you can and some of those lesions when that happens is is difficult to core with the rigid as well so sometimes um one thing that i have encountered in a few of these cases is i just change the location so if i put my snare right at the base and it's just not cutting so i try now let's try to cut you know maybe the half or the top one-third. And sometimes that strategy helps uh, cutting some of the pieces and then uh, out instead of trying to get the whole thing out at once. So that is a strategy that I have used. You know, that's not a very common scenario, but when it happens, that's kind of the strategy that I use in those cases. I mean there's based on no real evidence. It's just based on like real-time, you know, experience. Uh, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do a randomized controlled trial to define yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what we do for those situations, but that's kind of... Uh, and then, you know, you try the tools, you know, try to get a cryo and put, pull out some of that uh, tumor, or maybe try to devitalize some of the tumor, you know, by applying APC or laser, and then coming back and then uh, snaring some most or some of the pieces so it's a kind of a back and forth thing. I don't know if I clearly answered your your concern, but I think this is this is a tough situation in a, right. uh, when it happens. But uh, it's, as we mentioned at the beginning, you know, you have to try your other tools and see what works.
0: No, exactly. And I mean, the multimodal approach comes into play. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, my I also felt like my snare got stuck and. Uh, uh, I was also starting to think ahead, but I was able to get the snare out and then used a uh, try to cry cryer to pull, but it was uh, originating from the left lower lobe. So it was difficult to do that. And then I switched to using the snare to cut out the, you know, the, the top one third and then use the hot forceps to try to get those out. So I think that stresses on the importance of uh, the multimodal approach. But, uh, you know, it's good to hear that we all have similar experiences. Um, in terms of the type of snare. So is there a specific snare or type that you use based upon the airway in terms of size or a specific company that you use? Yeah, so um, we we
1: use this uh, brand, uh, Avanos, I believe. And um, I think it used to be Halyard or I think one bought the other. I don't know the details. And that wasn't, um, I, I don't know much of the brands, to be honest. There was a decision that was made. Way before I came and then we've been using, nobody really complains about the quality of those devices and we've been using them. So I, I really don't know if this is better or worse than any other uh, particular brand, um, uh, but they have been working well for us uh, with uh, minimal really issues or, or any, I don't recall any major issues with the devices. So for this particular company, they have three sizes, uh, what they call the small, medium, and, and large, based on how much they open, and I, I really don't know the diameter of those. I can tell that the majority of cases, I use the small because I think these are devices that are used also in the GI world, and mm-hmm. those, those lumens are larger, and they can um, use larger devices. But most of the times, I use the small, even for large tumors in the airways, and that will go around everything we need. Very rarely I put, uh, I don't remember actually, the last time I, I asked for a medium size uh, snare. So most of the times I use the small size for, the, for this particular company, and they have different shapes. They have the round, they have a hexagonal. There, there's another shape that I don't even know what the name of the shape is. It's kind of round, and then there's a part that is straight, mostly round, and then a, a, a straight portion to it. And um, I, I use mostly the round. I, I don't know if there's any particular benefit of one over the other. Sometimes when I ask for the round, oh, we don't have it. And then, well, wow, give me this or that. And I, I, I don't think I ever noticed any, any particular difference in how good or bad uh, the outcome was based on the, on the shape of the, the, the device. So um, I I really don't know if it, there is any any difference uh, based on my experience. Um, so I, mo- I as I said, it was mostly the round, and that has been working for me for virtually 100% of the cases. So I haven't really changed trying to use any of the other shapes. Mm-hmm. And um, I can tell you that... Um, um, we, we had all those those three sizes, the the small, medium and large, and we stopped ordering the large because not me or any of my partners ever asked for the large. Or if they asked before, they saw that didn't work as I learned, you know, kind of quote the hard way in the past. Uh, so we don't even have this large size. So we only have the, the small and the medium available in our Bronx
0: suite yeah I mean, I've never used the but we have the snare master and uh, again I think those are shared with gi so I tend to use a 15 millimeter um, i don't know not sure if a smaller is available but uh, that's when I ask for it that's what I get and uh, uh, that's what I end up using so once you have snared this lesion out like what is your usual extraction technique because I mean that's something especially if you're working in the central area of I in mean, trachea or a uh, proximal main stem bronchi where the lesion can fall off how do you Prepare to extract these lesions uh, while you're already thinking about snaring it
1: yeah that that's that's a that's a a great question i think it um it depends it depends on the size um, and uh it depends on how hypoxemic the patient is or or it isn't um and it depends on what airway you have in. So I have done these cases with a rigid. I have done these cases with an ET tube. And I have even done some of these cases with a, with a LMA, a laryngeal mask airway in place. So um, uh, I have used just simple suction, like putting a, a flexible scope in there and suctioning. Or if I have a rigid, I could have put the rigid suction and suction that back. But some of those lesions that I have um, removed, that I have uh, snared, snared out, and the, the lesion is completely floating. I have had some lesions that they were so big that I couldn't pass it through the scope, the rigid scope. So um, I then uh, have actually snared the lesion in two pieces, so I can pass it through the rigid scope, or. Depending on the case, uh, you just come back and block with, you know, either a rigid suction or a flexible scope suction inside the rigid scope or inside the ET tube and come back with everything. I don't like necessarily that uh, so much because sometimes that suction is not as powerful to keep the lesion attached. And sometimes the the lesion just, as you're coming out with everything, the lesion gets as large and it's stuck in. And you know the trachea or the the vocal cords or the larynx. So uh, uh, one thing that I like to use often is a cryoprobe. Just put the cryoprobe, freeze it. I think that's the most guaranteed to come and not be dislodged, assuming that it's fit. It fits into the the airway that you have available, either the rigid or you know the the ET tube um and sometimes i have actually used the actual snare so i kind of use the snare to grab the the the, the, um, the lesion and without using energy just put enough pressure to hold it and bring it back so try not to put another tool on the table so right. it depends on again on the situation but uh, if it is not too large just with suction if it is larger then uh, either the snare or cryoprobe. And sometimes I have to come back, come out and block with ET tube or rigid scope uh, to remove the lesion. And when I do that, the end block removal, my preferred to go uh, devices are the cryoprobe or the actual snare without
0: applying energy. So I, I know that I have a grip um, right. of the lesion. And I mean, I'm sure your assistant or your anesthesiologist is ready to, uh, you know, hand you the tools if you need to re-secure the airway because I remember one case we had for tracheal lesion and we had to extubate and block and it's important to be prepared to immediately that we insert the rigid probe, uh, you know, or have an ET tube or whatever you need uh, to re-secure the airway if we are coming out block. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then I
1: think uh, it's very important. That's a great point that you bring, Ali. So the... Um, Depending on the, so let's say you snare the entire lesion. The base looks nicely cauterized. There's nothing else you're going to do with the case. Um, So, or even if there's some bleeding or whatever it is that is going on, it's very important to have that communication with the anesthesia team. So let's say we're all done. Okay, so look, we're going to come back and block. I'm going to come out and I'm going to be done with this rigid or with this procedure, with the scope, with the ET tube. Uh, so let's, before I do this, the plan is X and the plan is often, you know, in our team is to put, uh, uh, an LMA and then wake up the patient with an LMA or if the anesthesia team for whatever reason wants to put an ET tube back, they will be ready to, uh, either get another ET tube to be ready. If there's any concern with timing of dislodging that, um, that lesion from the tip of your scope, coming out of the scope and getting that same ET tube, if there's any concern that we need to intubate right away because of oxygenation or whatever it is. So that point in, that point in time, your communication with the anesthesia team is extremely important. So, and throughout the case, it's very important, obviously, because we need to remember to tell them to cut down their 2 I know that is something we didn't discuss, but I think it's important to say whenever you're going to use a snare, we generally cut out our cut down our fio O two to less than forty percent. As a general rule, I think anything less than fifty yeah. percent is probably fine. Probably even a little higher may be okay, but I, I would suggest that you know keep it as low as possible. Below fifty is 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 fine for I think I've never seen any any fire with fifty or below. Um, so that is, you know, that line of communication that you want to have if you're on the steer team throughout the case. And when removing the lesion is an especially important one uh, because you need to plan the you know if you especially if you're coming out and uh, block that communication is is extremely important
0: right and i mean something that is i've used more commonly like foreign bodies rather than you know in block removals of lesions as you know having a mcgill around because I think one or two cases where, uh, in, in fellowship, where the object can get lost on the you know, upper airway, I well, mean, rather the, the mouth or the oropharynx. Uh, so something always uh, always important to know where your magilla is, even if you don't physically have it uh, available to extract that from the mouth. Yeah. Not that I would think it would be relevant in a lesion person. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's a very important point.
1: Yeah, absolutely, having that available. It's and so that's that's the preparation before you you come out. And sometimes if the lesion is too large. Uh, it is important to be ready for the lesion to end up being dislodged, you know, around the vocal cords or something.
0: Uh, uh yeah, very Absolutely. That's great. So, uh, you mentioned lowering the FIO2, you know, below 40% ideally. Uh, is there any other precautions that you take apart from having good communication and preparation in terms of uh, using electrocautery snares, some things our listeners should be aware about or know or be prepared for?
1: And I think I think we discussed most of the important things. Um, you know, the file two, your communication, you know, knowing your your other tools to be ready. I think one thing that uh, we didn't discuss, or maybe we did. I think we spoke about making sure you have that snare around the lesion and it's tight before you start um, really using your energy. Uh, remembering to. Um, and to the sheath of the, the snare to put that at the base of the lesion on the proximal sideboard. you can see to the base of the lesion as much as possible, uh, but uh, being careful not to be pushing that sheath against the, um, the normal airway. So pushing that against the base of the lesion and not normal airway necessarily. Um, I think those are probably... Uh, the only other, maybe the only other point, point or points that uh, we haven't discussed that I can think of. I mean, is there anything else that you think? Uh,
0: no, you might I think have I mean, missed. No, I think I agree. I mean, uh, I think you pointed a very important point of continuously visualizing the snare closing and not cutting, not trying to cut the lesion by the closing the snare, but rather using energy to cut the lesion uh, so that we can get as much coagulation as possible uh, while we continue to close that snare and uh, you know cauterize that area. Any other comments, yeah. any other, you know, pearls in terms of managing using electrocautery or electrosurgery and specifically snare uh, for that our listeners get benefit in their practice?
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think we discussed a lot. Um, uh, I can't really think of anything else here. Um, uh, maybe the other point uh, that could be important, I think snares work best in bigger airways, tracheas, trachea and mainstem bronchi, bronchus intermedius, is a little bit more difficult when you are uh, working at the low bar, the segmental level, because those snares are not, as, as we mentioned before, even the smallest kind of large for the airways. So those can be tough, especially if you're going to, you know, the upper lobes to make that turn, you know, that, that, that sheath is somewhat rigid. So it's a little bit more difficult and, and sometimes, if when you're getting more distal, then you're talking about you know if you're not really careful, you may start cauterizing really a distal airway that you you don't know what's out there. So you have to be careful with that. So those cases are not, in my opinion, great cases. But aside from from that and what, what we have discussed so far, I I can't think of um, anything else right now. Um, I think this was great. We discussed oh, a lot of cool. things, some, <laughs>
0: some ideas and uh, this was awesome. No, this is great. I mean, this is, I'm sure, very helpful for me and I'm sure very helpful and educational for our uh, listeners. So thank you so much for joining us today, Francisco. This was I mean, another thank, episode.
1: Thank of- you. Yeah, thank you very much. Sorry for interrupting. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This, no, was, this
0: was really great. Perfect. This brings an end to another episode of the ABIB podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and follow us on the Apple podcast.